Some of the world's greatest stories are told through song. We tell the stories about those who give us these songs. Not all the songs are great, but God damn do these guys make it interesting. You are now listening to Voluble Radio Podcast. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Voluble Radio Podcast. We've got a good one for you. Today, we're discussing the funk-fueled, drug-addled story of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. But first, we'd like to thank you guys for a great start to 2018. Recently, we've seen a big spike in views and downloads since the beginning of the month, as well as followers across Twitter and Instagram. So, we greatly appreciate the momentum facing our first full year. Thank you so much again, everyone, and we hope you enjoy the show. I would say the moment I actually thought the Chili Peppers were a good band was when I saw them live. All right. What, you didn't think of them, anything about them before? I was somewhat into them. All right. Just like you heard their songs on the radio, and you're like, all right, that's cool. Yeah, like, when we grew up, they were so popular early 90s. Yeah. I remember seeing them on Beavis and Butthead and The Simpsons. They were actually really funny on The Simpsons. Was that the Snap My Undies thing? <laughs> <laughs> is it Wiggums is in his underwear and someone snaps him? Don't stop my undies. Hey, Mo. Oh, that's so good. Uh, I I did have blood sugar sex magic back in the day. Did you know oh, that yeah. one? Yeah, absolutely. Did you like it? Were yeah. You, like, would you say you were a fan of the Chili Peppers, really, too? Or yeah, I'd say I got into them more uh, later on because um, I I was into more Nirvana regular, not like into the like the funky stuff until uh. Fucking Navarro joined in uh, one hot minute. So you got into them, Navarro. Yeah, so 95, I got into them more. You know what? That's probably around the time I probably, I, th- I think I got into them also. Like, yeah, that's when they, because they were kind of young. Because, yeah, like at 91, we were like six or something. So <laughs> something like that. We weren't like big into it, obviously, until later. So then, mm-hmm. like I knew the song, uh, Take Me to Take me to the place I knew. That's what I'd always call it. Take me <laughs> yeah. to the place. You know that song, Take Me to the Place. Yeah, Under the Bridge. Yeah, Under the Bridge. But that's mm-hmm. what I'd call it when I was young. So I knew, yeah, all of them, but I just didn't give a fuck because I was seven. Get off my dick. I remember always seeing that. <laughs> what is it? Uh, the Give It Away video. Oh, yeah, and they're all gold. Yeah, I can't even say Give It Away without saying Give It Away. <laughs> give It Away now. Give It Away, Give It Away. Yeah, they're all. No, are they all gold? I thought Flea was silver. Maybe they're all silver. I know Flea's got all the devil horns coming out of his legs and coming out of his head and shit. And, and yeah, wasn't there like Flea crotch shots in that video too? Oh, a lot of crotch shots. Yeah, that was like that's something I probably remember the Chili Peppers most about. <laughs> yeah, is they were always kind of fruity, but like not like manly at the same time. Yeah, like they look like they. <laughs> oh yeah, Rich, just Google it. Yeah. I mean, that's a black and white picture, Rich. I can't really. I think the video was in black and white. Gotcha, gotcha. I think the whole video was black and white. Oh, though. true, true. Or maybe. Oh, that's why I think it. Some yeah, of it right. was gold. I don't know. You're right. It was a good video, though. They had a lot of good videos, I thought. I, I went back and watched they the They also had a lot of bad videos. Yeah. I remember when I first found out about the Chili Peppers, I th- I I just assumed John Frusciante was in the band. Like, like as a I, kid, I didn't realize that there were that many guitar players. Like I knew yeah. later on. So Frusciante to me, 
he kind of my idea of what the Chili Peppers are as a band. That's the band, Chad Smith. Yeah, yeah. I remember when I first found out Hillel was even in the band. I was maybe like thirteen or something, and like, like, wait a second, there was another guitar player in the Chili Peppers. I don't even think that I knew. Also, did heroin with them. So the thing with Chili Peppers is like they. Okay, I was thinking about this on the drive over here. The Chili Peppers are to us what maybe Aerosmith is to Gen X. Yeah, definitely. I can see that for sure. You know? Yeah, Aerosmith or... uh... It's like you know all of Aerosmith's hits, but you don't know... Maybe you don't know all their albums, but even so, you do know album cuts like that kind of thing. Absolutely, yeah. No, that makes total sense. Yeah. So... Yeah, some people love them and think they're like, oh, it's a classic classic rock band. Mm -hmm. Other people are like, nah, they're just clowns. Yeah. Who make crap music. It was interesting. It wasn't the same old fucking dumb shit, at least. Yeah. It was some new dumb shit. (laughs) Yeah, it was like... (laughs) Punk rock is now going to get funky, and now <laughs> funky music's cool for white people. Yeah. Like, so the Chili Peppers really are Ketis and Flea. That's the band. Yeah. They're the only two really consistent members. Well, yeah, yeah. You know, Ketis is out for a minute. We were talking before the podcast, but... but... Yeah, not even. It was just like a show. Yeah, yeah. And before they were even signed, probably. So so Ketis comes from Michigan, and then he goes to California. Yeah, and... he leaves when he's like 12 to go live with his dad. Right. Who, uh... Changes his name to Blackie Demain. Blackie. Was it Blackie Dammit? Dammit. <laughs> Blackie Dammit. So, yeah. So, Ketis moves out there. He want, does he want to be a child star? Because he gets right into doing acting and yeah, stuff. Yeah, jumps right? right into doing acting. He loves it. He wants to keep working. And uh, and his dad is an but, actor. But you were saying something. His real a, profession was a something. drug dealer. Okay. <laughs> he got the party started and everyone went to his house and partied and Ketis was saying when he was a kid he's like I'd wake up and I just wanted to go to school in the morning and all these people would come home and be partying oh, and that's coke. so rough yeah I saw the first time he did coke was 11 yeah that seems about right that is fucked up yeah man. his dad uh, showed him how to roll a joint and wow them and yeah it was not a great influence so, yeah so growing up he, he had this like Hollywood actor party thing mm-hmm. oh man that's crazy he changed his name to Cole so it was Cole Ketis and Blackie Ketis for uh, a while. <laughs> so wanted, it was Blackie Dammit, Blackie be, Ketis. Yeah, he wanted to be his, uh, like, little him. He was just like his dad. He it, idolized him. So, okay, so it wasn't like he was forcing, like, Oh, no, 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 no. He, yeah, wanted to be like him. Oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. Well, I mean, maybe not that cool. <laughs> <I don't Yeah>. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of rough. Uh, Flea was born in... In Australia, like right outside of Melbourne, and then he came to New York first, and then he goes out to California with his stepdad. And I guess his stepdad was like a jazz musician. Yeah, he showed him how to play, uh, was it tuba? Not tuba. Trumpet. 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 Yeah, yeah. He was a big trumpet. <laughs> would it be great if, if Lee was playing tuba? That would be <laughs> fucking awesome. He'd make no fucking difference to me. He doesn't do it now. Yeah, true that. Yeah. Uh, he plays trumpet sometimes. He's on a couple different albums playing trumpet. Oh, I can see that. You know. He's typical. <laughs> typical trumpet player. Uh, yeah, so he originally he's a trumpet player with, you know, his jazz stepfather. And his stepfather plays in a bunch of jazz bands. And Flea plays with them, and everybody is blown away. He's like a prodigy at trumpet. So from the beginning, he's a good musician. He knows his shit. Now, you play bass. Does that have anything to do with trumpet? Kind of. Right. Kind of. In a way, the bass kind of works with vocals. And trumpet is like, I don't know, if you think about four strings on a bass, four plungers on a trumpet kind of thing, I could see the, I think a lot of bass players play trumpet as well, too. There's right. something about it that goes side and side. Interesting. Uh, but the person that turns him on to play bass is... Completely bullshit, but interesting. 
<laughs> Fair enough. Um, <laughs> no, nah, that makes sense. Yeah. So they meet Hillel Slovak, and Slo- this guy Hillel Slovak turns Flea onto rock music. I think at this point, Flea's not very popular in school because he listens. Uh, you were saying before the podcast, like he thinks rock music's dumb and he shit like that. For idiots. Yeah. Ugh, you listen to what rock music? <laughs> Gross. Uh, atrocious. Oh God! Well, he's got a Valley Girl accent now, Flea. Oh, that makes sense. I makes mean, sense. I, I'm atrocious, Mike. I am Flea. I am Flea. I'm gonna play for the Peppers. <laughs> Would that be? Oh, yeah. I'm I gonna was... play trumpet for you. <laughs> I don't know why I'm Forrest Gump. Yeah. <laughs> Oi, I play me trumpet for you. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the best accent if Flea talked like that. <laughs> oh, that's so great. <coughs> so, yeah. So he meets Hillel Slovak. He turns him on to Led Zeppelin stuff like that, uh, and then he teaches him how to play bass guitar. So Slovak actually teaches him how to play bass. He's like, no, dude, you take the trumpet and you put it here. <laughs> <laughs> he lays the trumpet across his stomach and just makes him put the play that for a while. <laughs> just feel where the, yeah, I, I mean, it makes make sense in my head, I think. <laughs> yeah, what you were saying earlier. <laughs> yeah. So then Irons. Um, <laughs> the drummer. Yeah, Jack Irons, he's just a drummer there. And Slovak. Uh, Jack Irons and Flea start a band together, and they start. Wait, what, what is this? <laughs> the band is actually called "What Is This?" <laughs> no, the name of the band. What is this? I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> so they have this band called "What Is This?" with a big. What is this? And it, what's great about it is there. You know, the question mark is there, so the question is definitely implied. <laughs> what is this? Uh, so they've been playing in the scene. They, uh, what is this is getting popular. And then you said that, uh, Flea was the first one to meet Kiedis, really? Is that how it worked? Because it, um, it looks like it's the three of them, Irons, Slovak, and Flea, and then they meet Kiedis, like... They were friends with Kiedis when they were younger, before they got into bands and music. Oh, okay, they so they were all just school. friends. Yeah. Okay. Because, uh... <laughs> no. Rich just said he's their drug dealer, Jesus. Um, yeah, they just became friends, uh... I think, was he talking to hell out? Someone... Anthony Kiedis was talking to someone, mm-hmm. and Flea came over and started pushing the kid. I think it was Hillel. Oh, I saw this in the, in the music. And then yeah. Anthony Kiedis was like, yo, why are you pushing my new friend? He's like, yo, well, I'm his friend. I'm just screwing around. Right. So they were all three friends then from then on. They were the three best friends that anyone could have. Mm-hmm. Or, I know, wait, I guess there was four of them. Well, no, Jack Irons wasn't really, uh, well, in Anthony Kiedis' book, not mentioned much and didn't seem like he was too uh, involved. Really, I didn't. I didn't realize that at all. So you, I mean, then behind the music, they don't really talk about him much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, that's when right. People think of Red Hot Chili Peppers. They think of Chad Smith. They're not thinking of fucking Jack Irons. Jack Irons. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah, you know, Dave Grohl is gonna be Nirvana. It's not gonna be fucking uh, Chad Channing or whatever fucking name. <laughs> okay, yeah, that actually makes perfect sense to me. Even though he's the original one, you're like, I don't give a fuck. You're not the famous one. So so basically, they all meet in, in high school, and they all go to Fairfax High School, and that's in L.A. So just a bunch of L.A. kids all going to the same place. Just to get an idea of the high school, some alum there are David Arquette, Mila Kunis. I don't think at the same time, though. I, I was kind of like, wouldn't this be the greatest graduating <laughs> class ever? Hold on. Ready? <laughs> David Arquette, Mila Kunis, Eric Melvin from NoFX, Mickey Rooney, Slash, Phil Spector. <laughs> 
Yeah, Mickey Rooney's. I don't even know. Is Mickey Rooney rich? Google if Mickey Rooney's alive. Um, Mickey Rooney slash Phil Spector in Warren Zevon, Werewolves of London guy. So that would make either the best band ever or the best graduating class ever. <laughs> when did he die, Rich? He died April 6, 2014. Thank you. What were we talking about? Slain pussy. <laughs> that guy, Rich, also says on his Wikipedia, slain pussy. Rick Mickey Rooney. <laughs> yeah, so it's Hillel. We got Jack Irons, who's kind of what I, I guess Keita says in his book. He's, yeah, he's a little whatever. And we got Flea. They're in this band. What is this? And I, I guess they tell Anthony Keitas to come to the show, and we'll play like a funky instrumental for you, and you just rap over it, I guess. Bippity boppity. And they, it's, yeah, they, now he's doing David Lee Roth. Bippity bop. So they perform under the name Tony Flo and the Miraculously Majestic Masters of Mayhem. It absolutely makes sense for the sound of music they are doing at this time for that to be called that. Is this that uh, Keitas is... Someone's 75, I was cool as something, too, to came game of pool, then I saw all the suckers I could find. Did you ever hear that thing off of Freaky Style? Fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> He's got this smooth-ass rap on one of the albums that's hilarious. But yeah, the one, uh, Real Men or Coyotes? Oh, that later on? that's a little later on, yeah. Right. It might, don't you know, kill Coyotes. Don't, yeah, Real Men don't kill Coyotes, yeah. So they do this Tony Flo and the Miraculous Majestic Masters Which of Mayhem. Which makes sense, though, that band, because it's, uh, it's, it's a derivative of P-Funk, Funkadelic, and stuff. And the, the, don't they have names like that on stuff? Yeah. Isn't it like a very Funkadelic name to have something real long and goofy like that? Yeah, yeah. And it's funny because they end up working with George Clinton. And there's yeah. a funny kind of tie-in from what you just said to why they end up working with George Clinton. Right, George Clinton? And that's our Jersey tie-in. No, Bill Clinton. Oh, Bill Clinton. That's his name. George Clinton's originally from... Rich, can you Google where George Clinton was born? He's, I think it's White Plains, New Jersey. Better not be in White Plains, New York, or we are editing this. No, no, no I guess that is White Plains, New York. He's somewhere Scotch Plains, New Jersey, I think. Scotch Plains? Yeah. Isn't that where the uh, Colorado Cafe is? I have no idea. Probably. <laughs> and then I can be making that up. <laughs> well, we're in New Jersey, so Colorado. Oh, yeah, that is where Colorado Cafe <laughs> is. <laughs> Plainfield. So, oh, okay, so George Clinton's origins are from Plainfield. Typical. Typical. Yeah. Uh, so then they do this one-off show. And the manager of the club is like, you guys. He loves it. He wants him back next week. <laughs> yeah, he wants him back the following week, <laughs> which is which is funny because it's just like you were saying before the show, too. Nothing sounded like that. So what do you you're the manager? You don't even know what you're looking at. It's just like, you know, like, oh, yeah. It was just energy, and it got people dancing. And true, true, true. That's what we wanted. People dancing, having a good time, and that's what they got. I just see the crowd just like, oh, yeah, just getting real into it. Oh, you know? yeah. Grooving. Doing all types of heroin into their arms. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I think he's just drugs uh -huh. Oh, come on. Come on. Blackie was in there feeling up. Oh, no. <laughs> no, wait a second. And then Stop. Blackie I got in a fight at this point, and uh, he wasn't uh, living with Blackie no more. So, so Kiedis isn't living at home anymore? No, I think he might have moved out when he was like maybe 17. Holy shit. Yeah, he was like younger when he moved out. Didn't approve of Blackie's lifestyle or vice versa. I forget what it was, but some shit happened. Yeah, Blackie's just like, I don't approve of you doing drugs and being in a rock band. <laughs> I don't know if he... No, it wasn't. It definitely it was, was one he was one. in the band. Oh, oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. 
So, yeah, so the manager invites them back, and the next time they come, 30 people show up at their at their show. And oh, they're already rock stars, that means. <laughs> <laughs> pretty pretty much. If, if I, I remember, Neither of our bands had 30 fans. Hey, I had 30 fans one time at a show in Hoboken, I think. Just because people were there before, and then you went on stage, uh, and they were still there, doesn't mean that they're a fan. It just hey, dude, I want alcoholics. Uh, yeah, okay, that's fair enough. God, you actually got me. <laughs> Unexpected people realize they're about to um, support a local scene. They, they come back, they perform for 30 people, and they all look at each other, and they're kind of like, oh, we guys, we got to start taking this more serious. This Tony Flo thing's not going to work. We need a really hip, cool name. Did you see how they got their name? Um, I think they were like, how about this? this is a nonch- Who gives a fuck name? They're like, okay. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, so <laughs> they go from Tony Flo and the methods of whatever the fuck to and to uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers, and yeah, and and apparently from this point they just start getting more popular, so much so that they uh, record a ten song demo and start giving it out to people. They start branching out to different venues in L.A., <coughs> and the group is really starting to get a small following, enough so that they do the show at the Kitty Cat Club. They blow up because they do the cocks on the sock routine. And this is like the first time they do it. So people are like, oh, my God, holy shit. Did you see that? They were playing funky music and they had socks on their cocks. What they'd want is like a real thick bush mm-hmm. to help grip the top of the sock. <laughs> because those socks were like they, they couldn't be gripping. You got to get your balls in there, too, I'm guessing. Yeah. You just put your dick in a sock and have it stay. Yeah. Kind of. Sh- Oh, uh, maybe. Yeah, they have some kind of elaborate setup. Some a real color. thick bush that's just luckily <laughs> intercombs into the top of the sock and sucks it in, and keeps it good. Or just some really fat nuts. I don't really know. Oh, the two of those things. Maybe they injected their balls with heroin, so they got real oh, fat yeah. with heroin, and that's how they kept it on. So after the cock in the sock routine, <laughs> that's what they. That's their nickname for heroin. Oh God, oh my goodness. Uh, their manager gets them a seven-album deal with EMI America. What was his name? Something with an L. Look. I forget. Rich, can you, can you look up the manager name uh, from early Chili Peppers? Lindy? Lindy? Lindy, I think it is. Something like that. Let's go with that. Yeah. So Lindy gets them this deal, and Slovak and Irons leave the band because what is this? Their other band got signed with MCA two weeks prior to the Chili Peppers Wait, getting signed. They get drummer Cliff Martinez of the punk band The Weirdos, and then they find a local funk guitarist, Jack Sherman, and bring them into this project. The first album is just called Red Hot Chili Peppers, uh, and it's basically just a reworking of the demo. All right. Nothing, no big hits or anything, really. The only quote-unquote hit was this song, uh, Real Men Don't Kill Coyotes. All right. So that... The album, I don't really like this album. It's, I don't, yeah, I don't mind that song. That song's okay, but the rest of the album's just... Yeah, the song's a bit repetitive, though. It's, yeah, there's something, it kind of looks like, um, like, like the, it sounds the way Arizona looks, if that makes any sense, that like coyote thing, like it's yeah. like kind of got a deserty feel to it. It's, right. I, I don't know, it, I just don't like the way it's recorded either. It just doesn't hit me at all. all right. They don't really like it either. Uh, the recording process is a pain in the ass because the producer, Andy Gill, uh, I guess he puts notes on everything and he fucking hates all of Kiedis' lyrics or something like that. Wow, not the first time you're going to hear this. I mean, maybe the first time, <laughs> but not the last. Not the- 
Uh, do you have anything from what was key to say in the book later in this time? Uh, he said, uh, bing, bang, bong, wing, wong, wong, ying, ying, wong, bing. <laughs> so then Kiedis actually stated that he preferred the sound on their demo to this album because the album just lacks raw energy. So they didn't really care for it themselves. Uh, they do acknowledge that Sherman made a lot of contributions to the band, in particular because he had uh, knowledge of like music theory and stuff, and the band didn't have that. So it helped them evolve the songwriting process, which helped them later in years. All right. So from the beginning, this guy... Sherman doesn't even get a mention on the, uh, what is it, the Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame induction. Roll. Yeah. But he actually was an integral part to them developing a songwriting style. Did Dave Navarro uh, get a mention on it? Because I watched it. I don't know if he was in it, though. I don't think so, actually. Yeah, I don't he know. wasn't there. I thought I read something about uh, how him and Kiedis weren't on good terms, so I don't think he got anything for it. Damn. Yeah. I could be wrong. Maybe, Rich, can you see if Navarro got a mention? Um, yeah, so, yeah, Sherman does help with the band, and it's basically because they gave him the shout-out because Hillel, in the beginning, really didn't know a lot of music. Like, he was playing guitar all the fucking time, but he didn't really have a lot of... Uh, yeah, Navarro, okay, wow, Navarro's not in. Yeah, yeah, I knew he wasn't at the ceremony. So, so it's Flea, Frashanti, Irons got in, Kiedis, Josh Klinghoffer, that's the new that's guitar new player, guy. yeah. Cliff Martinez, Hilo Slovak, and Chad Smith. Damn, dude, no Navarro and no Jack Sherman. That sucks, dude. Oh, well, I mean, you know. And no Keith Morris. And no Keith <laughs> Yeah, Keith Morris uh, was in the Chili Peppers for a minute. Um, but I guess we're going to get to that. So basically, with the help of college radio play and MTV rotation, the Real Men Don't Kill Coyote song, the band then goes on a 60-show tour in 64 days. And the tour takes a huge toll on Kiedis and Sherman's relationship. And Sherman is replaced by Hillel by the end of the tour. Yeah. So they had to, uh, I remember um, it was a big thing between Anthony Kiedis and Fleet, how they were going to fire each person who was going to go and do it because they had to do it so many times. Yeah, there's a lot of firings. You know, you got to tell them this time. Yeah, no, no. All right, you got to. <laughs> yeah, so that was a whole big thing. They had to keep going back and forth to this day. I'm sure they're going to have to do it to Kingle Hoffman back when uh, <laughs> when, they, when Shanti, Shanti wants comes to back. Join again. <laughs> or when Hillel's ghost wants to join. Oh, dude, Zombie, whatever. Put your own fucking stupid mythological creature in. Jesus Christ. So 1985, <laughs> um, so the band decides they want a new producer for the album because they just didn't get along with that other producer. The band originally starts working with Malcolm McLaren, who is the sex pistol uh, producer for the Sex Pistols and the New York Dolls? But he decided. But they basically don't want him in the band because they want them to play a more 1950s style of rock and roll. Makes sense. And make Kiedis the central figure in the band. So they want, I guess, them to go more punk rock. No. Yeah, more punk rock, more blacky. Damn it, maybe I don't know. Mm. <laughs> and they, you know, Kiedis doesn't want to be just the main figure in the band, even though he kind of ends up becoming the main. Oh, well, I guess that's debatable. Flea, you could yeah. say, is just as famous and and all that. Uh, but they keep getting this comparison to Parliament Funkadelic, and they decide to get EMI to approach George Clinton as their producer. And I think they ended up paying George Clinton twenty five grand to do it because I'm sure Seems George a little extreme because George Clinton probably wasn't doing this, anything. Uh, maybe I don't know twenty five grand. I'm sure that was the first time we saw a check that big in a while. You think so? Yeah, or if ever. <laughs> oh wow! Ouch. I mean, was he that big? Uh, big enough, yes, but not big the... enough. I love Funkadelic. I love their albums are fucking awesome. 
So, so yeah, name me your favorite one. Uh, Maggot Brain. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, it says here, are you making it up? The only, <laughs> the only one. It's <laughs> pretty good. I also the have guy the, with the hair. I also have uh, Glory Hella Stupid, so fuck both of you guys. Oh, uh, you're fast on the Google there. I'll give you that. Yeah. Google will get you. <laughs> this Parliament Funkadelic comparison, um, yeah, leads in the George Clinton. Slovak's back in the band, so Slovak kind of plays a lot of lines that Sherman wrote already. They move out to Michigan to record, live with Clinton and record in his spot. And I guess Kiedis <coughs> is so fucked with heroin at this point that he's going through really bad withdrawals, and it takes him a little bit to kind of get out to Michigan. Yeah, he keeps um, delaying it a little more and more because he just keeps wanting to. Because when he goes to Michigan, he has to get sober every time. Right. So he's just like the, the holding off and... Okay, so yeah, this thing about him going back home almost. Yeah, it's like him being, yeah, like recovering. And he did it a lot. Every time he recovered, he had to do it in Michigan. He went back home. Yeah. It was easier to do it that way. Most of the times. Yeah. Yeah, I think I saw one where he, he got rehab in LA. I'm not sure. Yeah, a couple of times. A couple of times. Uh, yeah, so they, so eventually he gets out there and basically the party gets started. And. <laughs> The band and Clinton, they basically, like, just click right from the start. Like, they they really do like each other. Coke. Yeah, and that's what I was about to say, too. Yeah, they start really getting into Coke. Uh, I guess they're doing so much Coke at one point, Clinton is unable to pay the drug dealer. <laughs> oh, yeah, so they got him to sing a part in the song. So there's a song on Freaky Styley, and it's uh, Yertle the Turtle, and it's just Ketis, uh What is the? That's a Dr. Seuss book, right? A year to the turtle came or something but a while. He does this whole rap. It's actually a pretty awesome song, but the drug dealer's part in the song is he just keeps going, Look at that turtle go, bro. <laughs> and I never knew that was the Clinton's drug dealer until I, we did the research, which is really funny. Oh, yeah, he talked about it in the book. It's pretty funny. Uh, and he was like, I don't want that fucking in my song. That's stupid. <laughs> yeah. like, ah, just give it, leave it to me. I'll, I'll make it cool. It's <laughs> <laughs> fucking great. Um, so a couple cool songs on there. Uh, Black Eyed Blonde is a fucking awesome song. Do you know that song? No. Black Eyed, Black Eyed, Black Eyed, Black Eyed. No? No. All right. And the Hollywood song. Hollywood. Uh, and then this is where Kiedis and Slovak, because of the doing a bunch of coke and shit and heroin, they start getting really fucked up with drugs. Yeah. They never really got it together. They had uh, separate girlfriends. They'd have, like, Kiedis loved getting fucked up and staying at his girlfriend's house and doing that and just, like... Uh, and Hillel would do the same thing. So they never really got fucked up together. Gotcha. They were doing it with their girlfriends separate. Mm. Okay. Uh, so then the... Now we're in 1986. The Chili Peppers are starting to get popular enough where they start... This is where they start getting in... Well, I guess Kiedis has been in film and stuff, but this is where the band starts getting in movies. They appear in the movie Thrashing with Josh Brolin. <laughs> Have you ever seen that movie? No. I think it's a skateboard movie. I, I watched a clip of them playing in it, and it's them playing the song Black Eyed Blonde. And they're also in this movie called Tough Guys, starring Burt Lancaster and Kurt Douglas. <laughs> and they do the song Set It Straight at a at a nightclub in Los Angeles. The album Freaky Sally that they did with George Clinton doesn't really do that well. They... Is it too freaky for the public, Mike? It's You know what it is? It's too punk rock for black people and too soulful for white people. That's the way I think Flea put it. And it just, nobody knows what to do with the album. It is a really funky album. I do like it a lot. If you like 
George Clinton type music, I would say get that album because it's pretty fucking awesome. Okay, so we'll check that out. Yeah, so it doesn't do that great, but EMI gives the Peppers $5,000 to record a demo with this producer, Keith Levine. Except Levine and the band, <laughs> Levine and Slovak tell the rest of the band that they only got $3,000 and they blow $2,000 on drugs. Sounds about right. Yeah, so that's kind of fucked up. It causes pretty much a big, like, riff in the band. And this is Cliff Martinez, who's playing drums at this point with the band. Um, he, he basically tells the group that he's no longer, like, his heart's not in it, so that the group fires him. <laughs> <laughs> and then Jack Irons comes back to the band. Oh. And so now it's Anthony Kiedis that gets kicked out of the band <laughs> at one point. So, yeah, what is this? So Kiedis got kicked out in Keith Morris of Black Flag saying? Yeah, do a show. I guess they had a show booked and uh, they kicked Kiedis out and Kiedis was acting like a bitch and kind of quit too. So it was like, you can fire me, I quit kind of thing. Ooh. It only lasted a couple of days to weeks. So, because mm. Kiedis was real bad, bad on drugs. I saw the interview with Keith Morris talking about that show and he was just like, then these goddamn kids, man, they come over and they're like telling me I got to sing the songs and then come the hot girls and then come the cocaine. <laughs> I'm like, oh, boy. What if it worked out that way on that show? <laughs> or if it was just a fucking mess? Yeah, I, I tried. They're like, please, could you come back? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so then, yeah. Please, huge junkie guy causing us all problems. Can you please come back? Jesus. <laughs> so, yeah, so then Kiedis comes back after that. But did he, but did you see what his uh, Kiedis said about it? No, he said. The band then ditch Levine because he can't be trusted at all, obviously. And they finally and they get Rick Rubin. Now they want to get Rick Rubin for the first album, I think, and they couldn't get him. Either Freaky Styley, no, no, yeah, it was the first album they wanted to get Rick Rubin, and Rick Rubin didn't want any part of them because. Wait, wasn't the first album '84 before Rick Rubin was anything? Oh no, no, no! I'm sorry. Okay, so they ditched Levine. They try to get Rick Rubin, okay, and then Rick Rubin declines because uh, he knows the band has drug issues, so he just doesn't want to deal with the band. <coughs> so Rubin almost pr produces their next album, uh, Uplift Mofo Party Plan. The Uplift, Uplift Mofo Party Plan. <laughs> but he, yeah, he turns it down. Maybe because he heard that the album was called The Uplift <laughs> Mofo Party Plan. <laughs> so then the band gets this guy, Michael Beinhorn, who's not a really big producer. But at this point... Uh, EMI doesn't really like the Chili Peppers. They don't really know what to fucking do with them. They're not really selling albums. They're kind of a pain in the ass because they're all doing drugs and stuff. So this guy, Beinhorn, is like, yeah, I'm looking for a job. They're like, oh, yeah, sure. You could just produce this guy's thing because we don't want to fucking touch them, you know? Yeah. So, you know, he he feels a lot of pressure to help them succeed, right? So then the band starts recording Uplift Mofo Party Plan. Kedis... Uh, he's having difficulty during the recording process and basically I guess he's disappearing to find drugs or he's actually nodding out during the recording. Yeah. That's uh, got to be hard to work around. Um, in f they basically tell Ketis that he needs to get clean so he goes to a 20-day rehab in Grand Rapids. You think he wouldn't be doing so much coke on the uplift mofo party <laughs> planning? Jeez. It's more like a fucking downlift, downtrodden. 
Mofo Party Planning <laughs> Committee or whatever the fuck it's called. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Um, but they, he goes to this his uh, this twenty day rehab stint. I guess this is this is his first rehab stint. Uh, this is back in Grand Rapids, and he stays with his mom. And he said that he this was the first time he was sober since he was eleven years old. Yikes! That's fucked up. <laughs> Just your reaction alone was great. Yeah. Yikes! Yikes! I wasn't paying attention, but I heard that. <laughs> you think? Uh, Kiedis rejoins the group to finish the album, but but isn't he only like twenty one? I mean, yeah, I guess that is bad in the mind. Yes, yeah, yeah, pretty. <laughs> I'm pretty sure any age <laughs> to be addicted to heroin is bad. <laughs> uh, this is just my opinion. I don't know. Um, but Kiedis rejoins the. So he gets sober in Michigan. He rejoins the group to finish the album, but slips back uh, into using after 50 days of sobriety. I guess it was because he was trying to celebrate or something. Yeah, the album. as soon as he's done with something or does accomplishes something, he's like, "Well, now I gotta go do some heroin and cocaine injected into my arm." Oh, and he goes man. to the hotel That's and so does rough, it. Dude, yeah, yeah it, it sounded in the book like it's more of like just the repetition of doing it. Like they mm-hmm. say, is uh, he loves the preparation, loves getting the stuff, going here, doing it, and then. Yeah. So it's mostly that. That's kind of repetitive. Well, I would say it's more than a hobby. <laughs> say it's an addiction, maybe. <laughs> it seems like an addiction thing. You're ejecting. I mean, it's not funny because it sucks that he got started when he was 11 years old, and it just seems like if you start that young, there's no way you're going to. No, absolutely. You know, and that's, that's fucked up. But, uh, yeah, he, he, he falls back off the wagon, and despite issues within the band, you know the Chili Peppers are pretty happy during this. Like they're all, they all feel like this is where they're actually going to break. And uh, I think Slovak's going around telling everybody, "Oh man, this is the best material we ever wrote." It's not that good. <laughs> it's an okay album. <laughs> yeah, in my opinion, it is an okay album. It's Wait like until you die, they come out with way better music. Oh Jesus! <laughs> I'm sorry to tell you that is terrible, man. God <laughs> Almighty, Kiedis. So, yeah, Byhorn basically pushes them the right. Byhorn is a man. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, did we mention Flea's real name yet? Michael. Oh, yeah. What is it? Michael Balazari? Balazari. Yeah, Balazari. I just wanted to say that once at least. (laughs) Yeah. uh... I'm just like, he was born Flea. Uh, Oi, my name's Flea. <laughs> Michael Balfari, Flea. <laughs> what in the didgeridoo is my bass doing on the floor? We still have trumpets. Where, where's me trumpet? My tea and crumpets. I feel, for some reason, just looking at Flea, like his feet would be shaped exactly like his hands. <laughs> like his legs would just go back into arm hands. and He's standing there on his feet, hand, monkey things. Just, just looking at him, I feel that way. I don't know if anyone else feels that way, but <laughs> I guess I could see that. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, he's Australian, and you're like, yeah, that could happen there. <laughs> Oi, me monkey hands. <laughs> but um, that's so fucking good, dude. Oh man, but yeah. So, yeah, Bynehorn. Should we talk about uh, Slash's real name now, or are we? <laughs> Yeah, so we wait a different episode. <laughs> Let's hold off on the GNR episode. Okay. What do you say? Let's save some juice. Um, His real name is Buckethead. Yeah, right. Uh, so Beinhorn is pushing them to write more melodic songs, so they're getting away from that like. 
Well, I guess they're not getting away. <laughs> they're kind of embracing it full <laughs> forward now. <laughs> they're like, we're the man that start stoppy rap thingy talk. Oh, <laughs> Lucy. Oh, it's that's not Yeetus. Iggy Pop. <laughs> Rich, Rich just Googled Iggy Pop and said that Yeetus is That is bad. what he's going to look like in 10 years. Holy shit, that's hilarious. Oh, my God. Oh, man. But, yeah. But, but yeah, on this album, they're writing songs like uh, Fight Like a Brave. That's a pretty badass song. Yeah, like Fight like a Brave. Huh! Yeah, uh, Behind the Sun, which kind of, eh, it's an okay no song. No one knows what it's like. Behind the sun. I don't think that's how that. That's not goes. that song. No, that's not that song. That is Ellen Biscuit's song. Uh, they also have uh, "Party on Your Pussy." <laughs> oh yeah. I wanna party on your uh, backwoods. That song's fucking badass. I don't know if you know that one, backwoods. No. I would recommend anybody Google backwoods. That's a fucking sick song. Uh, Me and my friends. I think that's the one. My friends are so depressed. No, that's from Red Hot. <laughs> no, I know. Yeah, yeah, sorry. <laughs> and uh, they do a funky cover of Bob Dylan's Subterranean Homesick Blues, and that's a song that, oh, something, man, the government is about. Is, uh, is this Higher Ground? No. Yeah. This is Uplift Mofo. Yes. <laughs> higher Ground. Wait, or is that No, Mother's no, no. Belt? This isn't Higher Ground yet. No, no, no. Oh, this is Mother's Belt. No. So now we're in 88. Uplift Modi. Uplift Modi. <laughs> Uplift Mofo Party plan charts at 148 on the Billboard 200. Oh, just Ooh. try. <laughs> of 147. <laughs> which is their highest charting album. The band goes on an international tour to pr- promote the album. And the- what happens when they come back? <laughs> don't, don't tell me. Like, what happens when they get back from tour? Well, first, before they get back from tour, All they right. go on tour. And- oh, yeah, yeah. And first they start in America, and what happens is Slovak is just like kind of too fucked up to oh. keep playing. And <laughs> Jesus, man, Slovak's getting too fucked up to play. <laughs> and then they replace him for a minute uh, with this guy, Dwayne McKnight, who's from Parliament Funkadelic. And then Slovak gets his act together, they go to Europe. And him and Key just have this pact, and they're like, no, man, I'm not going to do drugs. You're not going to do drugs. Like, we're about to do – we're about to break it, man. Like, it, this is bigger than doing heroin. And they have this pact. They stay clean. They come back home, and they all separate from each other to, just because they've been on tour for a while. And then they find Slovak dead in the apartment. And yeah, basically, yeah. Kiedis and him, when they walked away, they knew what each other were going to do. They are like, I wonder if I'm going to uh, see him at this drug dealer. And, uh, yeah. so. Wow. That, yeah, that's uh, that, that. That fucking sucks. Yeah, I saw this thing that uh, Kiedis like didn't go to the didn't grave the funeral. Yeah, didn't go to the funeral because uh, he like kind of freaked out. Yeah, and uh, he just left for Mexico and like ran away. He wouldn't go. Like he just ran from this and it was, like his best friend dying and his bandmate. Yeah, yeah that's so. Uh, yeah, that's that's fucked up. But uh, I guess then when he gets back, he gets into rehab, and then the doctor makes him go to the grave or something. And they have yeah, a- yeah. After a while, he makes him go to the grave and he's like just talk to it. And yeah, he talks to it, and he starts breaking down, and he had, yeah, like, a real good thing. And yeah, um, yeah, kept them clean then for a long time. Yeah. So yeah, I mean that was like a big wake up call for him. Um, then the band, let's see here. Jack Irons, he's, like, completely fucked with the whole idea of this. So then he quits the band. Um, and then I read that he went into a psych hospital. And Oh, uh, come on. It's not that big a deal. <laughs> God, God damn, dude. Come on. But uh, he, go, he goes to this psych hospital, and 
he turns down an offer. Uh, he can't refuse. You know he's kind of crazy because he turns down an offer to be in Pearl Jam. <laughs> oh. oh, he's taking him's dick now. But then he, um, or was that Pearl? No, he he turns down an offer to play in, in Mookie, in, in Mookie, Mookie yeah, yeah. Blaylock, and then he goes, "No, nah, man, I'm going to start my own band." And then he just joins Pearl Jam. What's that, Pearl Jam? <laughs> I mean, good for him. I mean, yeah, I, you you got to go, you got to do the Pearl Jam thing, I guess. Um, Kiedis and Flea. Slightly better than Fear. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, fair enough. Uh, Kiedis and Flea decide to continue the band on because they they both feel that like Slovak would have wanted it that way. But then Kiedis slips back into doing heroin again. Well, no, that's not until uh, later on. Okay, so the, oh, uh, you know what? I might have had that down. Yeah, I might have wrote that earlier. Okay, yeah, so he's clean from uh, I believe eighty eight to two to uh, nineteen ninety three to ninety three. Okay, so, so then during uh, Blood Sugar Sex Magic, he is clean. Oh shit! Okay, cool. Yeah, there's a documentary about uh, Blood Sugar Sex Ma- Magic, and he seems clean. Like he seems like he's just happy and he's in good spirits. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the duo recruit uh, Dwayne McKnight, who's from Parliament, and. They get D.H. Pellegrio from Dead Kennedys. Yeah. And the new lineup, they record one song together with this lineup uh, called Blues for Meister. And it's actually Jack Irons who played drums on this album. Or, I'm sorry, on this song. But it's um, it's the guy from Parliament playing guitar. So then Kiedis... Doesn't just John Fushanti join the band now? And so does Chad Smith, 88? Not quite yet. So the way it works is like, yeah, so the way it works is that, so Kiedis basically is in rehab during this time. Like, he's still doing band stuff, but once he's out of rehab, he, what's it called? He goes on tour with this lineup, and then they fire uh, McKnight because he doesn't have any chemistry with the group, and then he threatens to burn down Kiedis's house. Yeah, he was pissed. <laughs> That's kind of crazy. And then because that guy get, gets kicked out, Pellegrio introduces Flea and Kiedis to, you know, the teenage guitar virtuoso, John Frusciante. Yeah. And then Frusciante basically was only 18 years old in the band. And just, and to me, Frusciante is like probably, I don't know, the most remembered to be in the Chili Peppers, I would say. Like when you think of the guitar player, I would say. Yeah, him or Hillel. Him or Hillel, right? But him now, obviously, because he had more. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, So he's only 18. He's originally from New York, but he moved out here, uh, I guess, because his parents split and his mother moved to L.A. Uh, Flea had actually met him a year earlier and told him to join the group Thelonious Monster. And he was also considering trying out for Frank Zappa, but he decided to join the Chili Peppers because Zappa had a strict no drug policy, uh, which I was like, uh, oh, yeah, no, Zappa was very anti-drugs. Yeah, he wasn't into it. Um, so at the time, Frusciante had been practicing <coughs> guitar for 15 hours a day. He was already a huge fan of the band. I guess he was going to all the shows already and everything. Um, so he's a fer- perfect fit for the band. So he could play all Slovak's lines already. And then they go back and Beinhorn's producing again, and they start to work on the next album, which is Mother's Milk. And Pellegrio is still in the band. So this is this lineup they write, uh, what is it, Stone Cold Bush, you know that song? You don't know that song, really? Taste the Pain and Sexy Me- Mexican Maid. And they go on a short tour. But then they fire Pellegrio because he has drugs, I guess, and it's fucking with Kiedis. Did Kiedis talk about Pellegrio at all in the book or no? Not enough that I remember, I think. 
Okay, yeah, because like something they get him out, and then yeah, because uh, he just like just doesn't want the shit in the band anymore. And then the band auditions new drummer. So this is really fucking funny. They find Chad Smith because they have a, a friend that knows Chad Smith. He's a metal guy. And he's like a metal guy. So Smith is from like Minnesota. <laughs> he looks exactly like Will Ferrell. He moves to California to pursue a music career. And he also has no formal training. So he just came out here to make it. Yeah, he just looks like a, like a hair metal guy, basically. Yeah. And so the band, he almost loses the audition on, on his looks alone because he looks like this hair metal guy. He yeah. said that he looks like a bad GNR hairdo and outfit kind of guy <laughs> they were just basically gonna fuck with him and, and play live like they're like all right here we go uh flee play and they kept changing up the beat and doing crazy do doing stuff so then he kept doing it and wow. went up in it and fucking with flee on the drums and they're like all right you got the job because whatever <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> didn't give a shit he seems so fucking cool dude chad's Chad, chad's the man um so now the new lineup is they're all jamming together, and this is like to flesh out the rest of uh, the album for Mother's Milk. But because Frushanti is Frushanti has a lot of music theory, and it's just helping the process along uh, really easy. But tensions are building between the producer Beinhorn and the group because he wants like Frushanti to have like a metal sound on his guitar, and Frushanti wants to be like slinky, sexy guitar line. Yeah, you know, and. Yeah, so Kiedis eventually like has enough, and once the album's done, they basically part ways with this guy. Uh, but the album that they record together reaches uh, number 52, and this is their first gold album. And Beinhorn's kind of butthurt about it because he felt like he was the only guy that was actually pushing for the Chili Peppers. So that kind of fucking sucks, you know? Yeah. Uh, so then a couple cool songs on that album, Higher Ground... Uh, Knock Me Down, you know that one? That was, yeah. That one's pretty good. Uh, Taste the Pain and Stone Cold Bush. And now we're in 1990. So they leave EMI and they sign with Warner Brothers. And now this is where they basically become like the biggest band in the fucking world. It, like a, a, a Mother's Milk sold really well. Obviously, if it's their first gold album. So there's a lot of high hopes. And I think Warner Brothers had to do a like a battle with EMI to even get them out of the contract or something. Oh, so they didn't make all seven albums. No, they did. They did because there's greatest two compilation. Stuff. I think there's two greatest hits under EMI. Yeah, I knew yeah. there was what hits and something else. Like that's crazy how they just had to get out hits albums just to get that. off the label. Yeah. yeah, I know a lot of bands do that, but um, so yeah, they they go to Warner Brothers and they approach Rick Rubin because Rick Rubin had just left Def Jam. So this is like 1990. I think he, I think Rubin left in '89, uh, and. He gets hired to do Blood Sugar Sex Magic, and Ruben decides that the band would work more creatively in an unorthodox recording studio. So the Houdini Mansion. Yeah, so they go to the Houdini Mansion. A lot of good albums were uh, recorded there. I do. I was gonna say the the sound on that album is Blood Sugar Sex Magic is a fucking masterpiece. That yeah. CD is amazing, front to back, dude. There's it's also uh, Slipknot Volume Three was uh, recorded there, and that's mm -hmm. my favorite Slipknot album. The sound quality it's, you get out of that place is crazy. Yeah. Also, not only was Harry Houdini Slipknot, I had something else. Oh, the Beatles, this is the first time they took LSD was in that man. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Which is pretty cool. But, mm -hmm. I'm not sure. No, never mind. For people that want to see what the experience was living at the mansion recording this album, uh, I would recommend the, the documentary Funky Monks, which was released in 92. And it's basically like a black and white movie about them living in the mansion. And it's just like funny shit, like Flea and Frushanti have a, 
what do you call it? A uh, mutton chops competition. Who's got the best mutton chops? Like he just has to fucking judge and he wins. I don't think they actually say. They just kind of. Oh, what a load of horse shit, people! Don't even fucking watch it. Over (laughs) it. But um, Fashanti's starting to pick up a really bad drug problem himself. So I guess he's better put that down because it's gonna fuck him up. (laughs) Especially with this new album coming out. You know when this album comes out? Was that? You know when this album comes out? The date? What is it? Um, that uh, Blood Sugar Sex Magic comes out. It's I know it's ninety one September I believe twenty first nineteen ninety one same okay. date as Nevermind is that right yep. holy shit wow dude and that competed with Nevermind and still is like a huge album still like that. Yeah. yeah but uh, the Chili Peppers were always cool with grunge bands like he said like Pearl Jam they were friends with and they brought them out on their first tour and then Alive was blowing up while they had them out on that tour and they were playing with Nirvana a lot and um, yeah just a lot of grunge bands and Chili Peppers that's how they stayed. Got in it with them, and that's really fucking cool. For him. Yeah, I think they toured with uh, Smashing Pumpkins too at one point. Yeah, because uh, and then they dropped off because uh, Nirvana uh, they wanted to play, so they wanted to be uh, Chili Peppers. Oh no, um, Nirvana, uh, fucking Smashing Pumpkins, Nirvana, then uh, Chili Peppers. Mm-hmm. But uh, Billy Corgan. <laughs> well, Billy Corgan didn't want to be on it with Nirvana because Courtney Love. Oh, yeah, he used to date, used to date her, so then I think they got Pearl Jam instead. Gotcha, gotcha. Oh, damn, dude. That would have been a good show. Yeah. <laughs> Rich just goes, she fucked up two bands. Oh, she's um, fucked up way more than two. Three. <laughs> yeah, three maybe. Uh, so, yeah, Frashanti's getting into heroin, and I guess he's claiming that he hears ghosts in the mansion while he's recording. I saw this. There's this interview with Frashanti. Well, he... Was he doing heroin during the making of that? Because I knew they didn't leave a lot. Like, they stayed in the mansion. I don't know if he was... There was a time I remember him saying, uh, at least Kedis, that he didn't even leave the mansion for a couple months at a time. That's... Like, didn't even leave the premise. In the documentary, he shows him driving around. Oh, maybe he was... No, he was driving around on the streets. Oh, of. maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he's a fucking liar, or maybe I'm an idiot. I don't know. What are you saying, Mike? How long do you know Anthony Kiedis? I don't know. Was he at your bar mitzvah? He was, actually. Oh, fuck. <laughs> he was, because he's playing Roller Coaster. That was a theme song <laughs> yeah. that year. Yeah, exactly. So, Blood... Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I don't know if Frashanti's doing heroin in the place or not. I know that he, this is where he's... He's got to be. He's, like, starting to get kind of fucked up. I think it's... Yeah, I believe it. He's there's definitely some element there that kind of introduces him. He's only like a kid at this point. He's maybe like 19 years old, 20 years old, right? 1988, he joined the band, so he's 18 then, so it's 90. So yeah, he's 20. Yeah, crazy man. And uh, yeah, so like there's one thing where in a documentary he was talking about. He's like, and and I feel bad for for Shanti. Anybody out there, I would hit pause and YouTube. I would hit pause and YouTube. John Fushanti, I think it's like a Dutch interview. It's like this 24-minute interview where he's just strung out. out yeah, that's later on. And, yeah. Like, that's before Californication. Yeah. He just looks like a skeleton. Yeah, it's, it's creepy. It's really creepy. And But yeah, yeah he was scary looking. Uh it was just it was like jarring. You're like, oh my God. And in that in that interview, he was saying that he would hear ghosts or something in the headphones. He's like, Yeah, I'd hear all these spooky ghosts and <laughs> I hear these ghosts. Yeah. 
And Flea was like, Flea seems like the most loving person on the face of the planet. Like he like pulled Frashanti aside and was like, "Hey man, not everybody hears the ghosts." You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know. And and I I I saw that interview and I was like, oh, that was actually like a really sweet thing that Flea did for this kid. Like, hey man, you know you need to get your shit together, okay? <laughs> you know, <laughs> hey new guy, come on, <laughs> listen, new guy. <laughs> So, uh, so what's it called? You don't see Chad Smith giving a fuck about hearing ghosts. <laughs> Chad Smith in the documentary, he's fucking, he's just like reading porn mags and just like <laughs> drinking beers and shit. He's fucking awesome. He might be wearing like a dangly earring or something, <laughs> yeah. maybe. Like he looks 80s metal and shit. He just looks like he's, it looks like Will Ferrell, 80s metal. Like it's fucking <laughs> awesome, dude. So yeah, definitely check out Funky Mucks. Great, great documentary. Uh, but the album gets released in 91, and now the band huge. is fucking huge. They blow the fuck up, right? Breaking the Girl, Suck My Kiss, Give It Away, Under the Bridge. Suck my kiss! And, yeah, they get steady rotation on music videos, on radio. They are the biggest band other than Nirvana in the world right yeah. now. Um, they play Saturday Night Live. Yeah, and so now... yeah. Well, first, the first song they do. Well, is that the one, the Bush one you were just saying? Yeah, that's Stone Cold Bush they do. On Before we get into SNL, just to give some context of that show. So for Shanti, he's getting all fucked up with drugs right now. and He doesn't like how big they're getting. Yeah, he doesn't like that they're getting big. Yeah. He, when they, he got in the band, they were maybe playing uh, like bigger venues. I, I, 2,000 people? Yeah, 2,000 people, 4,000 people maybe. Now they're playing arenas. Yeah, now they're playing stadiums and shit. Yeah. So it, and he's like not handling this new fame very well. It, he's real like weird and on the side of the stage and doesn't engage. And he's not like yeah, he's, he's just canoodling the whole time and not really playing the songs to their ability. Yeah, and they played a lot of bad shows. They said at that time. Yeah, so they yeah. even mentioned it when he kind of has back. a Paul Stanley thing, where Paul Stanley started hating Kiss after a while. Kind of. Yeah, thing. but this was really fast. This was yeah. like two years in, and he hated them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was, this was really. Quick. Yeah. That escalated quick. Yeah. So then in 1992, this is where he has that SNL performance. So, yeah. So you were saying they were playing Stone Cold Bush during SNL. And, and uh, Kiedis is just flopping around. And um, he kicks him in the back of the leg. Uh, Fushanti. Yeah, Fushanti. Mm-hmm. He kicks Fushanti in the back of the leg while he's flopping around on the ground being a weirdo. Don't think anything of it, but maybe that's why Fushanti mm. fucked with him. Because so, then the second well, song they the play. The second song they play is Under the Bridge. Under the Bridge, and it starts off in a different tone well, what, and just sh- noodling around, not playing the beginning. Fushanti sh- intentionally played it in the wrong key. Yeah. He played it in the wrong key, so it sounded like Kiedis was singing off key. Yeah, so then. So Kiedis like, sometimes I'll be you. Like he and he's just looking the, at him the whole time, and yeah. you can tell Kiedis is pissed, and he yeah, had yeah. a statement how pissed he was. It's like being stabbed in the back in front of millions of people. Yeah, like, yeah. Why would you do that then? And then at the end, when he's singing, Under the bridge uptown is where I drew some blood. All Fushanti do- is doing is, oh, oh, is where God. I drew some blood. Wow. He's just making these ghost screamy noises. Jesus and like, Christ. He's just like singing, just looking at him, like thinking, like, what the fuck are you doing? Are yeah, you we're, doing? we're live on television Yeah. Right now. And, and SNL in 92 was like the biggest fucking show for that time. Well, yeah. I think Roseanne and Tom Arnold were the hosts of that episode. Ooh, that's a good host. Ooh, Tom Arnold and Roseanne, that's weird. Yeah. 
So then, yeah, because of this, Frashanti quit, and then I guess he quits like pretty much right after this. He's just um, during, it. yeah, they're on tour in Japan, and uh, he tries. To, he's going to quit right before the show. Oh, I read that. And they're like, yeah, no, you can't quit before the show, and they talked him just to do this last show and then leave. Mm-hmm. So luckily, he did the last show and then got the fuck out of there. Yeah, that's wow. And then yeah, and then they get this guy Eric. Marshall. Marshall to fill in, right? Yeah, they knew him. Him and his brother were in some bands or something they played with. So they just got him. He's okay. He played mm-hmm. it fine, but there was just no connectivity. Connectivity uh, was not there. So then in 93, they kick Eric out, and then they start jamming with Dave Navarro. Now, Flea at this point had been jamming with a bunch of different bands. I saw... Is that Porno for Pyros when that came out? He was in Porno for Pyros. That's like some of the Jane Addiction guys or something, right? Yeah. Is that the singer? It's Perry Farrell, and I don't know if anyone else was in it from Jane's Addiction. Okay. And then I know Flea played trumpet on a Jane Addiction album. Jane's Addiction. Jane's Addiction album. Jane Addiction. And then Alice. (laughs) Allison Chains. Allison Chains. Uh, (laughs) So then, yeah, he played trumpet. And he also... Have you ever seen the music video for Bust a Move that Flea is in? No, I don't know. So, you know the song, like, you... Yeah, yeah. So Flea's in it, because Flea plays bass on that album. I think he plays bass on that song, actually. Wow. So Flea's in the Bust a Move Young MC video, and he's wearing, like, pants made out of stuffed animals playing slap bass. That sounds probably right. (laughs) Yeah. Which is pretty cool. But, yeah, so I guess they know Nervaro through Flea, because Flea was, like, kind of playing with those guys. A little before this, though, um, in 1993, Anthony Kiedis was like, oh, you know what? I better go to the dentist. I got this toothache. So he goes to the dentist, and the dentist, not knowingly, puts him under, gives him the gas, gives him whatever painkiller does that to his tooth. And he wakes up, and now he wants to get fucked up. Oh, man. Is that right? So then he goes right down to his spot and starts doing heroin and coke again. Jesus Christ, man. he went to the dentist. God damn, dude. Yep. So that's his first. That was uh, five and a half years, and he was really ashamed of it. His dad that Christmas got him a shirt that said six years sober. Oh, my God. And he felt so guilty because no one knew he did it. Oh, And he was, like, kind of cleaning up after it. He's like, just one time, and then I'll never do it again, like he always says. Well, yeah. I mean, that's the heroin. Yeah. So that's uh, that's the longest he went went for a while it was that five and a half years there but yeah 93 starts it up again yeah so damn dude so then now dave navarro he's doing a lot of drugs at this time too yeah, yeah. they get in the band and they're making one hot minute it's take a long time to uh come out with this album mm-hmm. because what was it 1991 was when that came out and it doesn't come out to 95 all right but getting back to navarro oh and in uh 93 the best song, Soul to Squeeze, was on the Conehead soundtrack. Soul to Squeeze was on Conehead. Really? Yeah, that's what originally, before it was on any other uh, things like Greatest Hits, it was originally from Conehead soundtrack. No shit. Yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. That's a little, <laughs> that's uh, a little good uh, Chili Peppers trivia. Yeah, Frashanti wrote and recorded that song. I guess it was during Blood Sugar Sex Magic year, years, but mm. uh, I forget who the fuck. I guess fucking, what's his name? Mm. Eric? <laughs> Eric. Eric Marshall. <laughs> I guess he's in the video. I don't know. I forget who it is. Some rando. Rich, can you uh, Google who's in uh, the Soul Scree- Squeeze video, please? And then, yeah, so then Navarro's in the band now, and Navarro, it, I guess it takes them a long, because Ruben is the producer from, like, all the way up until two albums ago recently. Basically, yeah, he, he did it. He did the majority of their them. work, yeah. But, so, yeah, it takes him over a year to do one hot minute. Yeah, on and off again, uh, different injuries and stuff. Um, Kiedis was going for leave-in and stuff. 
and just uh, drugs and this and that. And then, like you were saying, uh, Navarro's doing drugs too. But, You're right. But, yeah, eventually uh, it comes out in 95. Yeah, and it's people don't seem to really like it, I don't think. It's got a couple of big songs off it, kind of. Right. It's got Aeroplane. Because I read uh, somewhere that Kiedis was so disappointed with it. Oh, yeah. It, oh. Maybe. It was heavier. It's dark. It mm-hmm. was like a different feel from Blood Trigger Sex Magic. It was kind of lighter and, like, more fun and dancey. Yeah, because this I, is just heavy, kind of mm-hmm. dark and, like, sad. But I love that first song, Warped. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the beginning is just fucking yeah, awesome. Navarro's a good guitar player. It. He, it is. It's just more rocky and, and heavier. I was reading cool. that his feeling was, like, he didn't really like funk even. Really. Oh, yeah. He was more into rock and roll. So he was more of a Jimi Hendrix kind of thing. And him and Keith just, like, did not hit it off at all. They did not seem to like each other. Yeah, they didn't really say much about them being too He just doesn't great. seem like he talks shit. Yeah, much, he didn't you know? really talk shit, but he wasn't talking about how great they were together. And then... And yeah, he was just basically started getting real fucked up and falling over. Like, there was some argument they were having, and Ke- uh, Navarro went to stand up, and he fell backwards over his uh, <laughs> I was just about cabinet. to say, that's what I, was, I read that somewhere, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, he was there. That was when they were like, all right, you're not going to... And then, again, they had to do... I forget who won the time to kick him out, but one of them did it again. Yeah, oh, Jesus Christ, that sucks. Yeah, and just fucking Kiedis is on and off again. I can't tell you when he is on and when he is off because it's so right. A couple months here, a couple weeks there, a couple of months, a couple of days, kind of, a couple of years, couple. It's so on again and off again at this point. And and now we're getting like so we're like ninety five, ninety six. They're like touring ninety seven. It's like basically they're almost done by ninety seven with Navarro. They can't yeah. really take this guy anymore. And yeah. That sucks that he didn't get the Hall of Fame induction at all, too, because he's in the band from 93 to 98. Yeah, technically, but really it's only that one album, so they was just playing live randomly, not many shows. And uh, Well, they did, was it 96, I think, was the Beavis and Butthead Roller Coaster of Love. Oh, yeah, for the they movie. that soundtrack, and that was Navarro, too, so... That was a big song. That was a big song, yeah. So. That kind of got me back into the Chili Peppers once they oh, fell yeah. off that first time. Yeah, yeah. yeah they got I'd... a lot of people back in. Yeah, uh, and then, so, basically, by 98, I guess, Frashanti's, like, on the verge of dying? That's when that Dutch crew, I think, was making that uh, documentary you were talking about. Yeah, because in that documentary, he yeah, he looks like he's about to die. These bones. Yeah, he he's talking about the Chili Peppers. He got sick of, uh, he actually says, I got sick of Kiedis and Flea trying to do the Aerosmith thing. Like, we're not Aerosmith. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Not yeah. I don't know. His voice is all fuck. He's just like he always, forever now sounds like that. Like he's just his voice. The shape of his head is so just junky. It's like a junkie's yes. head. I'm sorry. His hair just looks junky. Oh my lord, God Almighty! But uh, until the bump to bump video, he looks like a junkie. Yeah, <laughs> that's not him in that video. I don't think is it. I think it is. Yeah, I could have swore it was the other guy. No, it is the other guy. Yeah, no, because no, this was 2007 or six. Okay, whatever. It wasn't it was until 2009. So, uh, yeah, so for so Shanti's like basically on the verge of death right now, and they can't stand Navarro because him and Kiedis are always fighting. And so Flea goes to see Frashanti, I guess, because he hears he's not doing well or something yeah. like that. And then he basically says to him, like, hey, man, like, do you want to join the Chili Peppers again? And uh, I guess John was like, Yes, please. Because he was broke. <laughs> He's in a bad place. Yeah, he was in a really bad spot, man. And but wasn't he not even a heroin addict at this point? He was just a bad alcoholic. 
No, I thought he was still. Oh, maybe you might something. Be right about I that. forgot. I could be wrong though. You might be right about that. Because there was something where he switched over to something. He was just as badly addicted to. Maybe I forget what it was, but. But regard. I mean, regardless, they get him back in the band and he's clean now. Yeah, and and, and this is when Kiedis keeps fucking up and they have to keep going over and helping him. Is that right? Yeah. So I know. Okay, so they go to start doing Californication, which becomes a huge another like completely revives their career. Yeah, because really, they were in that. Slump. But that's that's the down low for me when that's when I'm like, all right, uh, just, yeah, those songs were not good. They play, uh, yeah, California Vacations release, and everyone loves it. But 99 Woodstock mm-hmm. happened. They were asked to play. I think they were closing it out. Mm-hmm. And um, Jimi Hendrix's daughter, I believe, or someone came up and was like, could you play? They didn't, like, uh, give a, my dad or <laughs> whoever <laughs> <What>? was. <laughs> Whoever's some relative of Jimi Hendrix went up to them and was like, yeah, no one gave my dad the proper thing like they were supposed to. Um, could you guys... Could you guys maybe do, like, uh, some kind of thing for them? And they're like, all right, yeah, let's do it. Uh, Let's do fire. So they do fire, and that causes everyone to start fires. Oh, my God. But that's not even how – that's how they edit it together. Really? Oh, they edited together the fires. Yeah, they didn't really do it like that. And they just edited fires from, like, later on or something. That's weird. Um uh, so they caught a lot of blame for, like, bullshit that happened at... What's something happened. They edited something about with rapes or something or the fires. They tried to blame it on them because they played fire, but really had nothing to do with it and this and that. But Right, right. But, yeah, so the the Californication, I mean, what what songs are on that? It's Californication. <laughs> uh, what else is on that one? Uh, by the way. By the way. <laughs> no, no, no. But, yeah, they do the Californication album... Uh, scar they, tissue. Scar tissues on that one. Uh, and <clears throat> I guess they start blowing up, right? And then uh, I get they start blowing up. All uh, around the world with the bing, bing, bong, bong, Yeah, bong, and this is where they're becoming more of an anthem. They're becoming more of like an anthem rock. They're becoming more of an anthem rock band. <laughs> Now, Anthem, what do you mean? Like, just, like, sing-songy, or? Like, yeah, like, it's more, like, butt-rocky. It's more, like... Yeah, I'll give you butt-rocky. It's, like, like slower ballady. Yeah, of. that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. it's it's got that, like, stadium rock, like, everyone screams. All around the world is funky of and kind of yeah. fun. Oh, the fast. Work. But then that bing bong wong 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 part is just, come on. And then, yeah, they got, by the way, Stadium Arcadium. And then, <laughs> yeah, that's basically how it goes. It's like, yeah. And then, by the way, is released nothing. So, yeah, came is released yeah. 2006, nothing. And then, for Sh- for Shanti, quits the band again in 2009. Just because he just didn't want to do it anymore. It seemed like he's just yeah. like, I just don't want to do it, and I don't care. And you guys shouldn't either. They're like, <laughs> no, we're still gonna do it. And like, yeah. All right, have fun. <laughs> and then uh, it kind of seems like they like uh, the Chili Peppers have a kiss thing where they're replacing the Starman and stuff because, like. Hello, Slovak used to wear those bowler hats, and he was like this skinny-looking white guy. And then they got Frashanti, who's wearing the bowler hats, and he's a skinny-looking white guy. <laughs> and now the new guy's kind of got a shaved head and kind of looks like Frashanti a little bit. He was kind of already in the band, though, a little bit, doing backing stuff. And gotcha. he was working with Frashanti, gotcha. so it was kind of like a good fit because he was kind of just like there anyway. Right, right. In the band, so. And then, yeah, Peppers get inducted in the Hall of Fame in 20- Peppers get a puppin' at this point. <laughs> They get it. Like okay. Dennis Miller. <laughs> the peppers got a poppin'. That's pretty good, actually. 
And then they get inducted in the Hall of Fame 2012. And Chris Rock introducts them, and he has a funny story about how he's like, yeah, I went to go see uh, some other band. Mm. We're waiting. We're like, damn, there's a lot of white people here. And it was the Chili Peppers. Oh, and he's like, gotcha. well, we paid. We don't want to leave now. And he's watched it, and he's like, they were fucking amazing. That's fucking awesome. And that's what he says, and that's what he was also telling the story. And he directed the Bump de Bump or Hump de Bump video mm-hmm. from Stadium Arcadium, and just like, First glance, you're like, wow, this is real racist, kind of. And they're just doing all this, like, over-the-top uh, stereotypical black stuff and throwing dice and booty shaking and stuff. But then you realize Chris Rock directed it, and you're like, all right, it still doesn't. I don't know. It's just a wild video. Watch it. Yeah, it's interesting. Watch yeah. it coming up on you here next, MTV2. <laughs> yeah, Pump exactly. the bump. Bump the bump. That's, that's your VJ. Pumps and a bump. No, a demo. And then 2016, they have the getaway. There's not really a lot that happens once Vishanti's back in the band. They're just like a normal... Well, 2011, I'm With You is released. Oh, 2011, I'm With You is also released. And then, yeah, yeah 2016, the getaway is released. And really nothing else. No Hall of Fame. Yeah. I, it, yeah, I mean, for me, if I were to recommend anybody Chili Peppers, I would say just get Blood Sugar Sex Magic. That's the one that... It's got everything you would want on it. Just got, get the greatest hits. Yeah, greatest hits. That's what I say. Yeah, you know, blood sugar, sex, magic, and um, for me, freaky, styly, I think is a great album. I, if I were to recommend, it would be that. I, I would recommend the Conehead soundtrack because you also <laughs> get probably some bare naked ladies, I'm sure, is on there. Ooh. Some uh, tainted love. I don't know. So who plays who in the Chili Peppers movie? Now that we spelled out the story. Well, obviously, you got Will Ferrell playing. Yeah, Chad Smith. That I mean, that goes without saying. And uh. I think Flea and Anthony could do it themselves because they love being in movies. <laughs> yeah. They're in the chase. They're in the chase. They're in less than zero, maybe. Flea could go back oh, in time God. from. Oh, yeah. No, Iggy, uh, Iggy Pop can play. <laughs> Anthony <Iggy is>. Yeah. <laughs> Iggy Pop plays. We can get the guy who plays Needles in uh, Back to the Future Part 2 to uh, play. Play Flea. Oh, play Flea. he looks just like Flea. He does look like or that guy. the guy from the Big Lebowski, too, kind of looks like Oh, him. yeah, one of the. Uh, uh, Nazis or whatever. Yeah, no nihilist. Nihilist. It was even nothing. Steve Buscemi is flea. Steve Buscemi Iggy Pop definitely That's the scariest band I've ever seen. So we got Iggy Pop, Will Ferrell. Hmm. For Shanti, I guess maybe you can get like, maybe you can get like one of those uh, skeletons Duff. that you get from Halloween store and just prop it up there. Oh my God, Jesus Christ! Or Shia LaBeouf, yeah, that yeah, works. Shia LaBeouf. Shia Buff, and they, yeah, I mean that's that's really it. I mean they'll find some other people for the for the rest of the cast. They'll run. He'll <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, thank you everybody for listening to Valuable Radio podcast. Check us out at Valuable Radio on Twitter, and yeah, join us next time. Thanks again. <laughs> okay, cool. Well. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We hope you enjoyed that episode. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Voluble Radio. For more episodes, please visit VolubleRadio.com or subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or where fine podcasts are found. If you'd like to reach out to us directly or you'd like to make some suggestions or correct some mistakes, please email us at VolubleRadioPodcast at gmail.com. <laughs>